Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 37 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today, I want to talk with you about 10 ways that you can optimize your mental health for the new year. And I'm definitely going to jump into that in just a second. But I do want to take a second just to um, tell you guys about the week that I've had. So I want to send a very special shout out to a sister by the name of Sharnae Graham on Twitter. Um, So on Thursday, Sharnae sent out a tweet um, letting people know about the Therapy for Black Girls therapist directory. And somehow this tweet picked up so much steam by you guys sharing it that both Solange and Gabrielle Union both share the tweet. So I am affectionately calling this the tweet that launched a thousand signups because I have gotten a flood of new therapists added to the directory and so many more people have been able to find good therapists in the directory because of you guys sharing it. So I really, really appreciate it. Um, And I'm just so happy that so many people are being able to get connected to the resources that they need. So thank you so much for all of your support. Before we get into the content today, I also want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts. So if you're looking for a new podcast, then I would encourage you to check out Dreams and Drive. Dreams and Drive podcast is hosted by your chief dream driver, Raina Campbell. Each week, Raina interviews top creatives and lifestyle entrepreneurs who share their personal stories of triumph, keys to success, and tips you can use in your own life to stay inspired and motivated as you push towards your goals. She has over 120 episodes and has had some amazing guests on the show, including the Budget Nista, Trent Shelton, Kim Coles, Nicole Kane, Ursula Steven, and more. One of the things I love most about Raina's podcast is that it is the perfect balance of both practicality and inspiration. So her guests, as well as her in her solo episodes, will share lots of information about things that have inspired them, um, different triumphs. Also will give you very practical tips about how to take your dreams to the next level. So please make sure you check it out. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Make sure to check out her website at dreamsanddrive.com and follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at dreamsanddrive. And of course, all of this information will be included in the show notes. So as we are preparing for the new year, um, 2018, I did want to spend some time talking with you all about some of the ways you think that you can optimize your mental health for the new year and beyond. So the first tip is to get better sleep. So do you have anything that even remotely resembles a sleep routine? If not, then it's time to get serious about establishing one. Those late nights and early mornings may have felt sustainable in college, 
But as we get older, they definitely are not. When we don't get enough quality sleep, we can see drastic impairments in things like our mood, our ability to concentrate, and overall alertness. I want you to work on getting a routine together that will work for you. And in the show notes, I will link you to a blog post that I've written previously about establishing a healthy sleep regimen. Tip number two is to tighten up your circle. You know those friends that you've been hanging on to just because you've been friends since second grade? Are the ones who never seem happy for you but expect fireworks anytime they accomplish something? It may be time to reevaluate the role of these people in your life. Sometimes we get so caught up in just moving along that we don't really pay attention to whether a relationship continues to be healthy or beneficial to us. Pay attention to the dynamics of the people in your circle and make decisions based on things like reciprocity instead of history. Her tip is to get a mental health checkup. We commonly go to our primary care doctor or OBGYN for yearly exams, but what if we started doing the same thing with our mental health? You've heard me and other guests discuss this on the podcast, but it bears repeating. You don't have to, and frankly should not, wait until a crisis to seek mental health treatment. Maybe you've realized that you're often giving more in relationships than others, or maybe you've noticed that your reactions to situations don't quite match the intensity of the situation. These and pretty much any other thing that you would like some feedback about are great ways to use therapy. I think many people would be surprised by how much you learn about yourself and how your life might feel more fulfilling with even just a few sessions of therapy. Tip number four, examine your relationship with food, sex, and substances. All of these things, of course, are incredible, but sometimes our relationships to these things are not. You heard Lisa talk in session 33 about how our relationship to food is sometimes rooted in trauma. And next year, We'll also have episodes exploring our relationships to both sex and substances and how sometimes our decision making in these areas comes from a a place of lack, trauma or dysfunction. So I think it's important that we explore how we feel about food, sex and substances and determine if our relationship to them is healthy or are we using these things to avoid dealing with something else. Tip number five is to get physical. And this is definitely at the top of my list for 2018, getting more daily physical activity. There are lots of research that indicates that a moderate level of physical activity every day significantly improves mood. It can help to manage symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, and help you feel more connected to and powerful in your body. To have the best chance of success at this, Make sure you choose something that you think you will enjoy. If you've always loathed and hated running, joining your local Black Girls Run Club might be a hard thing for you to stick to. But you might really enjoy something like kickboxing classes or swimming. And since this is often one that is on so many people's lists for the new year, I wanted to dig a little deeper into what makes it so hard for us to stick with exercising. So I found an article from the American Psychological Association's Monitor on Psychology that states, of all the questions that remain to be answered, 
perhaps the most perplexing is this. If exercise makes us feel so good, why is it so hard to do? According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in 2008, some 25% of the U.S. population reported zero leisure time physical activity. Starting out too hard in a new exercise program may be one of the reasons people disdain physical activity. When people exercise above their respiratory threshold, that is, above the point when it gets hard to talk, they postpone exercise's immediate mood boost by about 30 minutes. For novices, that delay could turn them off to a treadmill for good. Given that, the author recommends that workout neophytes start slowly with a moderate exercise plan. So that speaks to the idea of both um, choosing something that you think that you will enjoy, but also giving yourself time to ease into the routine. You don't want to act as if you are training for an Ironman competition when you're just starting out. Give yourself some time to get into the groove. Tip number six, assess your social media patterns. How much time are you spending scrolling, liking, and swiping? I know we've talked about this in previous episodes about the impact that social media has on our mental health as too much time on here can lead to feeling as though you're not doing as well as other people. It can make you anxious and it can really do a number on your self-esteem and feelings of self-worth. So much like we discussed in terms of exploring our relationship to food, sex, and substances, I'd also encourage you to pay attention to when you are grabbing for your phone. Is it when you're feeling anxious? Is the fear of missing out kicking in? What else could you be doing with that time that might improve your mood or increase your productivity? Tip number seven, look at your boundaries. Y'all know boundaries are like my favorite thing in the world. Where do you need to tighten yours up? Are you saying no to yourself way too often because you're too busy saying yes to other people? Make sure to go back and listen to session 14 to remind yourself why boundaries are important and how you can set better ones. And if you haven't listened to this episode yet, I highly recommend that you do so. Tip number eight, stop participating in celebration procrastination. So tell me if this sounds familiar. You get amazing feedback on the recent presentation you did at work. Then you start worrying about your performance evaluation only to get a glowing review. Then it's time for decisions to be made about annual raises and you're stressed out about that. Sis, when are you going to stop and celebrate all of your awesomeness? I think we often get so caught up in worrying about the next thing or we're moving so fast in our lives that we don't take enough time to really celebrate ourselves. That A on the stats final was a big deal. Losing 10 pounds was a big deal. Publishing your first piece for your dream magazine, that was a big deal. Defending your thesis, that was a big deal. Slow it down and bask in your own glow and invite others to celebrate you as well. Tip number nine, stay in the moment. Let's work on staying more in the moment. Anxiety is given space to creep in when we focus too much on what was or what might be instead of what is. 
challenge yourself to do what you can in this very moment, for it is indeed all we have. Pay attention to your breath. Feel the ground beneath your feet. Notice the sights you see in front of you. Engaging with your surroundings in this way is what we call grounding, and it's what lets you know that everything is okay. Challenge yourself to be in this space as often as you can, and especially when you feel like everything else is out of control, for this is something you can control. And finally, tip number 10 for optimizing your mental health in 2018, get better at letting go. Now this is one that too many of us struggle with. Some things are meant to be with you for a lifetime, and many other things will only be temporary. You have to learn when it's time to let go. Pay attention to when you're staying in spaces simply because it's what you've always done. Y'all have been dating for three years, but you're not really happy and your needs aren't being met. You probably don't need another three to figure that it's probably time to walk. You were afraid to go after your dream job, so you're sticking with the safe job while quietly beating yourself up about it. You've got to let that go. Many times we hold on to things so tightly because it's comforting. It's familiar. But I invite you to remember that you can't catch what's coming to you with a closed hand. You've got to let that thing go. So one way that I am hoping to optimize my mental health for 2018 is um, to choose a short phrase that I'm hoping to kind of be my leading mantra for the year. And the phrase that I have chosen for 2018 is show up. So I am really wanting to challenge myself in 2018 to stretch myself and to get out of my comfort zone in some ways. I'm really wanting to make some um, videos for you guys to talk more about mental health topics. So I am really challenging myself to be um, comfortable with discomfort and really just showing up in all areas of my life. And so if you have chosen a word or a short phrase for 2018, I would love to hear it. Um, and if you haven't, then I'd invite you to choose a word or a short phrase for 2018 so that you can be more intentional about um, creating a space that looks like what you want it to look like by your own rules, disregarding anybody else's ideas about what your life should look like. So we also have two On the Porch with Dr. Joy questions that I want to address before we wrap up the new year. The first one says, Hello, Dr. Joy. I'd like to start by expressing how grateful I am for this podcast. I'm 26, and I currently live in New York with my fiancé and our dog. I love my man, but lately I've been feeling off about him. We met when I was 20 years old at the university. The love hit me like a brick, and I was smitten. Ever since then, one of my main priorities has been our relationship. We were long distance for a few years, and nearly every major decision I've made in my life was in service to him and our relationship. I've moved several states to be closer to him, and finally I was able to obtain a job at the same school he was getting his master's and move with him in New York. Soon after I was let go from the job and my shame overwhelmed me, 
At my lowest point, I was introduced to the law of attraction and self-care. This has truly changed my feelings about myself. I've since gotten a decent job. I'm way more confident and comfortable with my body. I'm finally proud of myself, and I now hold myself to higher standards, and my priority is me. I've also been getting back to my true passions, and I'm going to pursue the dream that I buried inside of me when I left for college. I'm learning more about myself and what I want out of life. For several months, I haven't been interested in my fiancé. He gets on my nerves more than he doesn't. I avoid sex and intimacy. I barely even want to kiss him. I don't miss him when he's away, and I fantasize about my future without him. I've been pushing back getting married, and I try to avoid the subject altogether. I've also been struggling with figuring out if I want children in the future. I'm leaning more towards no, and he definitely does want children. He's a great man, but he definitely has his faults as a partner, as we all do. We share the same morals and values, and we have fun every now and then. I do love him, but I'm not sure if I'm still in love with him. My question to you is, is this a relationship lull that most couples go through? Or am I changing so much that we are no longer compatible? I'm worried I'm wasting his time. Thank you for taking the time to read my letter. So I want to first thank you um, so much for writing in for some feedback about your situation. As I read your email, several things jumped out to me. The first was the ways in which you described yourself before you found the law of attraction and self-care. You said that you're now way more confident, more comfortable with your body, proud of yourself, and hold yourself to higher standards. So if you feel this way now, my question and concern is how did you feel before? It sounds like you felt the opposite of all of these things you've just described, which means you likely made decisions consistent with the way you saw yourself then. And it could be the case that those decisions no longer serve you. The way you've described your relationship with your partner sounds like someone who has pretty much checked out and really just hasn't told their partner yet. So you asked if this is a lull that all couples go through. And to that, I say, yes, lots of couples go through lulls, but I'm not so sure that that's what's happening here. And I'd invite you to reflect on whether you are continuing in the relationship because you see a future with this man or simply because of the history. It's totally fine if what you desire now is different than maybe what you wanted six years ago, but it's not okay to have all of these feelings about your partner that have not been addressed with him. I don't know if this is the case of changing so much that you're no longer compatible as plenty of couples grow and change together, but it definitely seems as though something is amiss here and it seems like you have a lot to perhaps discuss with him and to figure out for yourself. So I definitely wish you well in trying to make sense of all of this for yourself. Here's our second question. Hi, Dr. Joy. I would like to say how much of a blessing it has been to find your podcast. You touch on issues that affect many women of color today, and you have truly helped in many more ways than you know. Thank you. My question is, I recently broke up with my boyfriend of almost two years, and he continues to contact me. 
My friends and family have told me to ignore him and basically keep it moving, but I still feel connected to him and I wonder if it has anything to do with me feeling lonely and wanting someone around who wants me. I think we may have had an emotionally abusive relationship because I felt that he always wanted me to do or treat him in a certain way and when I didn't, he complained. I am 25, currently in grad school, and I'm very driven. He is 31 and did not finish high school, but does have a GED. Oftentimes, he would be upset at me if he felt I emasculated him in public, and he would be really angry if I talked to other guys around him, even if it was friendly, or if I took another man's side over him. I really felt he was a good man to me because he always talked to me when I had problems. If I was struggling financially, he would lend me money. And while we were long distance, he always visited me and made me feel secure. I wonder if I made the right decision leaving him. We had a lot of issues, but I wonder if it's worth working out. When he contacts me, he always tells me how much he was good to me and how he helped me out. But now he feels I used him for two years. Sometimes I wonder if I was really that bad to him, why does he continue to contact me? I feel like he can be controlling at times and the power dynamics are off, which is why I left the relationship. I wonder if you can help me understand whether or not this relationship is healthy and if I should try to work it out with him or move on. If I should move on, how can I do that if he continues to contact me? He has even come to my house unannounced begging me to speak with him. I also wonder what I can do to help him move on if he's not ready to. So again, thank you for writing into the podcast to get some feedback about your situation. Some of the things that I picked up on in reading your email are the ways you have described your ex. So you said you think you may have had an emotionally abusive relationship with him because he always wanted you to do certain things and he complained if you didn't. You said he would be upset if he felt you emasculated him in public. And I wonder whether this was actually emasculation or his resistance to you being assertive, because those are not the same thing. He was angry if you talked to other guys and he helped you out while you were in school, but now holds that over your head. So I'm not sure if you heard session 30 of the podcast when I discussed some of the red flags in relationships. But if you haven't, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, because much of what you're discussing here. I definitely would consider to be red flags and I would encourage you to be very cautious about resuming this situation. You asked how you can move on if he still tries to contact you and that may involve either blocking his number or changing your number. But first, it might start with you being very clear that you no longer want to have contact with him as it seems unclear whether this has happened from your email. So you made um, a reference to maybe still entertaining him because you feel lonely and want someone around who wants you. And so in some ways you may be continuing to invite contact from him because you enjoy that he gives you attention. And finally, you asked, what can I do to help him move on if he's not ready? And I would invite you to think about why you feel responsible for helping him to move on. So if you decide that you're done with this relationship, then you are responsible for your own healing and he is responsible for his. So I want you to be very careful of taking on things that are not yours to carry and make sure that you're taking care of yourself. 
again, thank you so much for writing in and good luck with whatever decision that you make. If you have any situations or questions that you'd like feedback about, please go ahead and send those over to me at podcast at therapyforblackgirls.com. And remember to share your word or the short phrase that you will be using as your mantra for 2018. Go ahead and share that with us on social media and make sure to use the hashtag TBG in session. Of course, continue to share everything that you're learning from the podcast in your Instagram stories and on Twitter. I always enjoy hearing what are the highlights of the episodes from you guys. So please continue to do that. When you do that, it makes it so much easier for other people to find the podcast and for them to join our community. If you're not already following us on social media, please make sure to do that. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. If you are looking for a therapist in your area, please make sure to check out the therapist directory. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. Earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about how many new therapists have been added to the directory. So even if you've checked before and haven't found someone in your area, please check again as it's likely that there are people in your area now. And if you are interested in um, participating in the group therapy sessions that I will be offering in my practice here in Atlanta, please head on over to therapyforblackgirls.com slash shift, S-H-I-F-T, to get more information about the groups and to sign up so that you will know when the groups launch in January. I hope that all of you have an incredible rest of the year and a phenomenal beginning to your 2018. And I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.